you begin by using every day. Mm-hmm. And they say every day. Can, yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Every other day. Every other day. And then you build up to daily use. When did the daily use? So now I'm like, that clinical, how does yeah. how does that work? Did they use it every other day or Welcome to the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Gloria. And this is a... <laughs> wow. <laughs> and this is a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk about on the daily. And today's episode is all about exfoliation, right, Gloria? Yes. The very acid queen. Very exciting. Yes. I, when we were doing the website revamp, I was going through everything we've written so far, some of our old content, just to make it more organized. We realize we talk a lot about exfoliation, generally speaking, but it's like kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah, I think we we talk about the science, we do like a big deep dive, and then we don't touch it for like, I don't know, a couple years, year and a half. Mm-hmm. But then we do mention it every here now and then. And so, yeah, it's time. Yeah. You're right. So it's this time, will be <laughs> This will be a two-part series. Today, we're going to decode a couple of top exfoliating products and maybe demystify a category and then... Uh, the next episode will be a much deeper overview of everything exfoliation from physical to chemical to do apricot scrubs really tear your shit up? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. All right. But first, let's do a little bit of a brand update. It's just a mini one today. We have been working on a fun kit, I guess. It's very fun. <laughs> Well, in celebration of back to school. You're going back to school. You have someone in your family going back to school. Or you're just like, tis the season to re-kick off my routine. Mm. This mini kit is for you. Yeah. It's very simple. We just wanted to be a very straightforward routine for most. So we have a set of minis of our Blank Slate cleanser. Aww. Aww. So we have a set of Blank Slate minis. And travel friendly. Very travel friendly. And it's a good way for you mm. to see if your skin enjoys the Blank Slate <laughs> cleanser. We also have a Mr. Reliable. Mm-hmm. For most skin types, this can be a one and done or a layering piece along with your other serums. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we have the Specialist. Yeah. The Specialist is one of our um, a, one of our acid treatments to go along with the theme of exfoliation this episode. It's called the Specialist because it's formulated with 18% mandalic acid, 2% sal acid, and 5% niacinamide. It's gentle enough to use as a leave-on spot tree for those trouble zones. I use it for my blackheads. Or you can use it as a mask. You leave on for 10, 15 minutes and then rinse off. Especially for your con- congestion-prone areas. We all know what ours are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last but not least, you can mix a drop-in with your Mr. Reliable. Yeah. If your skin is in generally good condition, you mm-hmm. just need a little bit to nip congestion in the bud. Kind of like an upkeep. Yep. And yeah, and that's a kit. And otherwise, if you join us on our back-to-school campaign, we have a little fun little pin, swipe pin for you guys. But we really hope it'll get you in the mood of getting back into your skincare for those who have just been curious or just trying to get started and generally want a couple pieces to try. We just generally hope this has kind of a fun little journey for you guys to trial some really good acids, a good moisturizer, and cleanse. Yeah, yeah that's it. So check out the kit on the website. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, podcast listeners, you can use the code podcast SHIP for free shipping on any order, including this kit. Yeah, awesome. So. 
That's it for the brand update. We are going to get straight into the news, uh, starting with a launch. Yep. So we noticed recently that the brand Necessaire is probably one of the most well-known brands that kind of kicked off this more luxury body care division. Yeah. And they have a few new launches in the acne realm. Yep. So they recently launched a two-product system. This is specifically for body acne. One is a spray and one is a cleanser. I I gotta be honest, we're just gonna do one mini decode. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be on the cleanser. And so this cleanser is priced at $28, 250 mil. <laughs> I was right. Uh, so we're gonna go through this cleanser really quick and make some comments. Yep. So this body wash has 2% salicylic acid and that is the classic uh, acne active. And it's a pretty straightforward, simple ingredient list. Water, glycerin, cocoa betaine, cocoa hydroxy so uh sultane <laughs> another gentle surfactant sorbitan oleate deco glucoside cross polymer wow this is just really <laughs> a mm. bunch of surfactant blends basically yes and isothionates more thickener mm. salt to thicken niacinamide mm -hmm. all the way down there yada 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 extracts yeah so pretty straightforward cleanser with a lot of non-sls like cleansing surfactants I should also mention that both the spray and the wash both have niacinamide. But otherwise, that's really it. So um, I think it's, we've noticed there's a lot of acne launches coming, both for face and body. And it's starting to get a little bit more diverse, not just for face, for body, even for post-acne. So that'll be a realm that we will be venturing into pretty soon. So other than that, I did find it kind of funny because in the launch, they're like, they share about this launch they're like two percent salicylic acid but wait they also have a little blip at the bottom about their sustainability which i feel like i don't know sometimes with acne that's just like how it is when you have when you see two percent salicylic acid you're like oh great but the packaging is a lot better and i think one of the things that's kind of interesting was a hundred percent pcr aluminum which we've, I feel like we've seen a lot of PCR in the plastic realm, but mm -hmm. in terms of PCR aluminum, I was like, oh, I haven't really seen that too much. P PCR, okay, got it. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I think um, another thing I want to call out is other than the 2% cell acid, which is very classic, mm -hmm. I feel like any acne wash, like face wash and body wash, you're going to get that. They called out zinc, uh, zinc PCA as mm -hmm. well as niacinamide. In the wash, both of those are F fairly low level so mm -hmm. we would still th say the cell acid is doing, doing heavy, heavy lifting, lifting. Mm -hmm. so we wouldn't say that this ingredient list is seems more potent than other common washes you can find yeah the spray format both of those ingredients are at a much higher level so yeah. it's supposed to carry more of the kick yeah so other than that i do have to mention on a personal anecdote i don't love niacinamide in my cleanser so mm -hmm. it's that something that i don't know you guys share in your personal skincare journey um i would say Sadly, this is one that I'd be like, eh, I would probably find another cleanser for myself. But I think um, on the flip side, it's kind of like, well, I guess you don't have to worry too, too much about overlaying niacinamide no. and cleanser. It's just kind of like, I don't, it doesn't have to be there. <laughs> well, no, I actually have sensitivity. Oh, in a cleanser format? <laughs> in niacinamide. Because like for some reason um, in La Roche-Posay, they also have niacinamide in their cleansers. And so I deal with, for some reason, after wash, my skin feel has that sensitizing feel. So the moral of the story here is stop putting niacinamide in everything. Exactly. That's a, really the main thing. There's a place for it in your routine, but just not in every step in your routine. Yeah, exactly. So moving on. 
the conglomerate, I guess a biotech mini conglomerate called Amaris is filing chapter 11 bankruptcy. Not the greatest of news, but this is something to share because they actually um, own brands including Biosance, the baby brand Pipette, Rose, uh, if you're unfamiliar, is by Rose Whitting. Rosie Huntington, Huntington. Whitley. <laughs> Whitley, thank you. <laughs> Whitley or Whitley? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and that, uh, I think uh, if you guys have ever seen it, it's this like bird hand sanitizer, little packaging gig. Uh-huh. So they actually own quite a few brands probably you might have seen. indie brands mm-hmm. that have made a splash. So that's really it. It's just more on... I think probably the thing that is kind of interesting from the article is that they quote, Amaris is looking to divest its consumer brands, aiming for them to benefit from the company's advanced science and technology under new ownership. So that will be, I don't know, something to watch. Yeah, keep an eye out for what these brands come up with next. We're yeah. expecting a lot of changes. I'm sure. They're probably not going anywhere for the time being, especially yeah. the ones that tend, uh, that do well. I would assume Biosense and Pipette. Uh, have enough of a reach that they are not gonna be offed but um the look the feel the product type might change so yeah. keep an eye out yeah all right as you can tell it's a bit of a slow week mm. but there's a couple articles we should talk about one is apparently complicated routines are back thanks to tiktok and i guess gloria have come and i have come full circle <laughs> i i when victoria told me about that i had the most grandma of grandma experience uh, uh reactions to this i was like wait has a cycle come around yeah. again? Because I feel like at this point... We've gone back to the 15-step K-beauty routine. Yeah, so it was, it started out there. Well, it didn't start there, but we had that, what, 10 years ago? And then it's about the heavy-hitting actives. Then it's about simple... simple. Last year, I think last year when we did news and trends, it's about... Minimalism. Skin, yeah, skin minimalism. And now it's like, all right, roll back the 15 steps. Maybe this time will be 17 steps. Yeah, so just want to put that on everyone's radar that you guys will probably see a lot more content coming out about layering a bunch of different products together. But we're just here to tell you, stay the course in your routine. I think with social media, it's always so easy to want to add in more and more layers and have a whole calendar of a routine almost. But consistency is what matters. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter how many steps that's in your routine. If you have nine and love it and stick to it, it can be a really good routine. Or if you have three and does it and do it every day, that can also work. So it's just up to your personal um, preference. Yeah. All right. And the last article I had to share with Gloria was an article that came out about antioxidants. And basically the general uh, title is antioxidants boost the efficacy. They're basically saying that antioxidants boost the efficacy of sunscreen. The article is written about how, I guess, a derm gave me this trick to make my sunscreen work twice as hard. And I will share a couple quotes that made me raise my eyebrow. Maybe we'll make Gloria raise her eyebrow. The first one that's one of the quotes that I pulled is, the other elements of your skincare routine, specifically the serum you apply right before your sunscreen, can help boost the efficacy of SPF. And I found that incredibly problematic. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is kind of conflating different concepts mm-hmm. in the same statement. So for antioxidants like vitamin C, some of the ways it's tested to prove that it works is that you apply it on skin and versus a patch of skin that doesn't have vitamin C and you do irradiate skin with UVB and you kind of measure the degree mm-hmm. of damage that has done. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, part of the UV damage that you see comes in the form of erythema, pigmentation, 
And antioxidants can prevent some of that because of, you know, because it's quenching the free radicals generated by the UV light. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it does sound like preventing the sunburn. Yeah, so so it is preventing sunburn. But it's not quite the same concept as your sunscreen that is actually um, that's actually preventing that UV light from getting to your skin in the first place. So yes, in a way, they can work really great for you in tandem. We do always recommend that if you're serious about age prevention routine, mm-hmm. you have, say, a vitamin C in the mornings. But to say that it boosts SPF, it's like, it's not, it's just, it's like you're not completely incorrect, but it's not quite right. <laughs> also, we also should emphasize, I mean, you guys have been listening to probably all the vitamin C content we've been yeah. putting out. This is all based on ascorbic acid, which mm-hmm. is one ingredient of the hundreds of thousands of antioxidant ingredients out there and so i think it's important to keep in mind you know that antioxidants is a very Mm -hmm. sweeping statement in the general skincare realm so that is such a good point and that actually um yeah no that's great because you don't want to nowadays a lot of sunscreens also just claim antioxidant on the packaging or even vitamin c but what they have doesn't really qualify as an antioxidant Mm. level in our eyes so, yeah, it can be a little misleading here. Yeah. So that was one thing I wanted to call out. And the second thing was they talk about how antioxidants should only be used as a morning product because it's basically protecting. And then at night is when you do all your repair products when you use retinol. And I wanted to call out that there is no such like hard rule that mm-hmm. you have to use your antioxidant product in the morning. It's actually been tested where it actually doesn't really matter. You know, I think the only important thing we want to mention is in the studies you have to use it before you get that sun damage mm-hmm. if you use it post sun damage it's not going to do anything so that that's really the only scenario that's like really been tested in this aspect i also think this this line is a little funky mm-hmm. uh specifically the serum you apply right before your sunscreen can help boost the efficacy of yeah, spf yeah that one is really weird to me because okay hmm in the sunscreen realm, you have unstable UV filters. One of the most famous ones is avobenzone. And there's a lot that formulators like ourselves have to do to protect avobenzone. And you do use antioxidants within your formula as just one. Actually, on top of antioxidants, there's a bunch of ingredients that you can use in tandem to protect that avobenzone. Mm-hmm. You should not need to rely on something you use right before your sunscreen so that your sunscreen will work. I feel like this is implying way too much. No, exactly. It's very almost like dangerous mm-hmm. sentence that could easily get carried away because then you're now wondering, you're like, wait, I need to start boosting the efficacy of the sunscreens I buy. I'm like, that, no, no, that's not how that works. And this also messes with a lot of people's application order. Yeah. So I use a vitamin, uh, because I have dry skin, I will use my serums and then a moisturizer and a sunscreen. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very common routine for a lot of people. So now people are reading this like, oh my God, I need to move my vitamin C to right before my sunscreen. And it's not how that works. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's it for the news. We are going to move on straight to the decodes. Uh, it's going to be our home peel edition. Woo! All right, Gloria, take us away. All right. So <clears throat> peels are basically a term for really high levels of chemical exfoliants. It, it can be considered as an in-office treatment. And just really quickly, this is not about the chemical peels you can get in the office mm. to get that Samantha from Second City effect that we all really <laughs> want. But just really quickly, the difference between in-office peels versus at-home peels. Um, to start, very simply, it's a strength level that you're getting. Mm-hmm. In-office peels, we're talking about glycolic acid, as an example, glycolic acid from 30 to 50 to even 70%. <clears throat> 
And uh, as a quick reminder for uh, for acids like glycolic lactic acid, what kind of determines the efficacy level is concentration and pH. Mm -hmm. In office, the pH level can be as low as like a one or like a 0.5. Everyone and just hears like an egg sizzling in the background, like. And that's the idea. It's, it's going to sizzle your skin up right nice. And that's why you have to do it in office because mm. there's an art to sizzling mm. it the right way to get that efficacy without too much damage. Mm. Home peels should be a pH of around 3.5. It doesn't sound like a big difference, but we should remind you that pH scale is on a logarithmic scale. So between every one, there's actually a huge amount of difference. Yeah. So that is the quick and dirty difference between in office and home peels. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that this acid that you get in office, the esthetician or the nurse, they apply a neutralizer yeah. after. So it's not just you're sent away with that peel left on your face, you know. So and that's why at home, these formulas have to be a higher pH because there, there's no one neutralizing your face for you. So, yeah. And I also want to call out, um, I think a better example the other than glycolic acid mm -hmm. is you can get salicylic acid peels in office mm. and salicylic acid you'll usually get in the stores at 0 0.2 0 0.5 to 2% but in office these peels are at 10 20% mm. cell acid if that gives you an idea of the difference between home products and office products you just think your semen's like <laughs> yep yep um but not everyone wants to do that in mm. office yes. and that's why we see a huge rise in mm. home peel products and we're starting to realize the word peel is kind of sexy because people understand that it's supposed to give you that very visual efficacy the peel of a new skin yeah layer. new skin new me kind of vibes yep. so we're starting to see that there uh the word peel is starting to lose its meaning in the at home mm, use space that's a and good point. the level of efficacy can vary far and wide in between mm. so we're going to decode three tiers of these home peels <clears throat> to start this is going to be a very straightforward type of peel this basically has every piece of info you really need to gauge the efficacy level and what we mean by that is the concentration of the actives, mm. what actives um, they're using, mm. and also the pH level of mm. the product. Yeah. So products in this category would be things like the Ordinaries AHA 30% and BHA 2% peel. They tell you exactly which AHA exfoliants they're using, which is glycolic acid. The BHA is salicylic acid. They also provide their pH value, which is at 3.8. Super straightforward. And this is definitely a product that you are not applying directly and using as a leave-on. This mm -hmm. is definitely something that you are using as a wash-off mask. Mm -hmm. um, and the other product that is also in the space, Gloria, is <laughs> our gold standard. <laughs> and the gold standard is also a 30% glycolic acid, mm -hmm. uh, like the ordinary, but we do not have BHA salicylic acid in the product. It's a slightly lower pH level between 3.2 mm -hmm. to 3.5. And we actually made a very conscious decision to not have cell acid in this product. Mm. And that's because at that time, because the ordinary's peeling solution was so popular, we started to see a lot of combination AHA-BHA treatments. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but uh, personally speaking, the two work very differently. And when I'm combining that this level of glycolic acid with cell acid, it tends to really dry out my skin. And yeah. I feel like there's a group of people just like me that cannot enjoy the benefits of a peeling solution or a peeling um, mask without uh, with this additional cell acid. So we're like, nope, it's going to be glycolic acid for and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. And we would really consider this the classic home peel yeah. uh, product. You know, usually these 
just like in office, these are wash-offs. They're not leave-ons. And then um, it probably would be just the most straightforward classical uh, version of this. So that would be case one. Yep. All right. Case two. All right. Case two, I think, is more it's even more common than case one mm -hmm. it's kind of a hodgepodge of stuff <laughs> and um but i we put this in category two because it does come with some testing because mm -hmm. they also think hmm, it's a hodgepodge it's harder to gauge efficacy level yeah and when we say hodgepodge we mean generally it's just a mysterious blend of ahas usually they say like it's like a 10 to 15 percent aha complex um, you look at the inky and you see, yes, there's like three or four of them in there. So yeah, that's generally how it starts. So we're going to look at the product Dermalogica. There, is it new? Is it a new I one? I think it's a new one. Yeah. yeah. And it's called Peel Foliant. No one asked for this new one. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of this. All right. We're, we're now just stitching uh, words together. Uh, <laughs> like, I feel like these two words don't even stitch very well. No. <laughs> Doesn't really quite flow, does it? No. But um, it claims 10% AHA, 0.5% mm. BHA, mm. and 4.5% PHA. But that's not all. You also have 10% fruit enzymes <laughs> and 5% phytic and transamic acid blend to smooth, unclog, and even tone. I like how Gloria really couldn't read it just because the font and everything is, it, it's a paragraph on yep. the bottle. Yeah. yeah, so when we say a hodgepodge, this is truly the definition the of hodgepodge. So we're going to take a closer look at the ingredient list. Mm -hmm. It goes water, your lacto lactobacillus, punica, grantan, fruit ferment extract, <laughs> glycolic acid, blah, 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 and then you have phytic, gluconolactone, glycerin, propane, dialactic, cell acid, transamic, the hodgepodge that you were promised. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, a few things here. As I was saying, <laughs> so for something like this, you don't know what's driving the efficacy, right? Mm. Like, so we can kind of gauge that 10% AHA. You and um, 0.5% BHA sounds like a leave-on potency level. Mm -hmm. There's, but there's also fruit acid. We're not sure what level of efficacy that brings to the table. And then yes. the phytic, which sounds exotic. And um, yeah, so people, it's hard to gauge what this does. Yeah. But Dermalogica did send it to the test. So they did a test. Mm -hmm. The extent of the test is pretty hard to tell. They do have a fine print that says images obtained via an independent study of 30 subjects. Um, and in the claims, they say liquid peel foliant is proven to even skin tone and minimize pores with one use and reduce the appearance of wrinkles in three weeks. If you go back to our episode where we try to help give you the landscape of claims, this is another weird one for us because we don't know the degree of improvement. Mm -hmm. We don't know if it's significant. Yeah. And Generally, all they give us are before and afters. And while these do look standardized and are probably taken in a at a third party clinical facility, it's just really hard to know. It, it's just so general that Gloria and I, I don't know. There's not really much else to say except, well, I guess it does something. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the lingo of how it's used is also really, <clears throat> really confusing to me. Yeah. So. The whole proven to even skin tone and minimize pores with one use. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have your if your skin's not starting out in super great condition, you haven't exfoliated in a long time, mm -hmm. a good peel will give you that instant improvement to skin tone and maybe the appearance of pores just yep. by the virtue of clearing out of that skin. Yeah. But the wrinkles in three weeks had me a little confused because I'm like, did they use it 
again at all between those three weeks? Mm-hmm. Is it just a one-time use and you track how skin changes over three mm-hmm. weeks? What are they using in those three weeks? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that's in the protocol somewhere, but it's not immediately obvious to us. They didn't put it out there. Yeah. So for me, this is about expectation thing. Because yeah. for any home use thing, we wouldn't expect the efficacy level to be one use wrinkle reduction yes. and you just wait to see the results. Yeah. Usually, you need to use peel, these type of more gentle home peels probably on a once a week at at least once every other week level to see that long-term benefit. Yeah. So it's kind of a strange one all around. I'm going to guess that they're using it once every week for three weeks. That would make a lot more sense. Is yeah. my guess. Yeah. Um, they did say these photos, the BNAs that we'll show here, um, the photos were taken after one application. And this is going off tangent, but it does remind me about the allure of this category mm-hmm. and why people tend to end up over exfoliating is because they get addicted to that next day look. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, I should just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And also, if you have, let's say, like a big event the next day, you know, I just feel like it kind of lures you in with that, like, just really glowy, glow. smooth mm-hmm. look. And so that's why I think people. Yeah, it's just it's so easy to fall into like, ooh, yes, I can attain this every day and keep this up. The Dermalogica Clinical could very well be a good one, mm-hmm. but the data they choose to present is a little hard for us to suss yeah. out the product. I think, I'm trying to think for me how I would use this. Mm-hmm. I think I would be using this because it's not necessarily the highest. No. My other theory here is that the pH of this product might be very, very low mm. because um, because they didn't tell you what the pH is and they have phytic acid. Phytic acid needs a, a, an ingredient that needs a really, really high level neutralizer to get it to like say a pH of three. Yeah. And from the ingredient list, we don't really see a neutralizer or a base all the way until wow oh yeah, yeah that's a really good point yeah i until I, I can't even see it right now because it's a very long list so generally speaking we would say oh I, I guess that's like kind of the other the flip side of that is they don't really talk about whether or not it's for appealing beginners intermediates or experts we'll say that at this level if they didn't neutralize it it's very acidic like i we don't mm. have a product we can measure it but just based on the ingredient list, I would say this is a lower pH than any product we've talked about so far or most products you'll see on the market. So no, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, I can't find it. Yeah, I, I don't see a neutralizer either. So definitely proceed with caution mm. with this one. And I, I should say we found the instructions and it says to leave on. Oh, it makes sense now. You only use it for one to three minutes. Mm-hmm. You begin by using every day. Mm-hmm. And they say every you day. Can, yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Every other day. Every other day. And then you build up to daily use. What did the daily use? So now I'm like that clinical. How does yeah. how does that work? Did they use it every other day or or, or every day? To sum up, they would spend a lot of time <laughs> on this product. This is this as you can see how Gloria and I try to dissect a product. We have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So I would say even though this um, percentage-wise, it doesn't sound like it has a higher mm, level of yeah. HAs, if it's not neutralized, it can be up there in terms of efficacy with 30% mm. products that we just talked about. But we wouldn't, we would be really hesitant to recommend anyone to use this on the daily as a three-minute flash mask. And what I find a little problematic here is that this could very well be a good efficacious product but for their instructions to be so different than the picture that they paint with their clinical saying that this is what you get Mm. like after one use i'm like i don't know man (laughs) and i can't believe we're gonna have to do this we're gonna have to update the blog 
that the 10% realm is going to need look for a neutralizer. We're going to have to asterisk that because uh, if you don't find one, then yeah, that definitely puts it in a different category. So mm. yeah, hopefully this was generally helpful was for it? you as you, <laughs> as you look for your next home peel. Okay, so I would say this is probably, not only is it a hodgepodge, it's just a one big confusing product to use all around. Yeah. Um, but probably a more classic product that would fall in this realm is something like a Drunk Elephant Framboose. They use a blend of AHAs, nice. malic, tartaric, and whatnot on top of glycolic. Mm -hmm. I think they also have salicylic acid in that yep, one. Yep, they do. And that one you would be using nightly. I think they do provide a pH for that one as well. And that's generally on the 10% area. So hopefully that gives you an idea of, I don't know, another type of product that would fall in this realm. Yeah. Wow, that that was generally confusing. <laughs> yeah, we. I think the plan was to go through this one quickly yeah, yeah. and then mention the other products uh, yeah. in this category. <laughs> and then the more we read, like the more we squint at it, the more we're like, hold up. <laughs> yep. So such is the state of the hodgepodge category. Let's move on to case three. Okay, last but not least, yep. case three. The, I don't know if I would call it a peel category. And a great example of this is Sephora's new resurfacing peel mask. The lingo here, resurfacing peel mask, mm -hmm. sounds like a no-brainer. Home peel. And <laughs> right on the bottle, it says 13% AHA plus BHA plus PHA. And then they even have like a square of it stacked, yeah. which I find Everything, in case you can't yeah. see it upside, like, like uh, horizontal. horizontal and vertical. AHA, <laughs> PHA, PHA, woo! The ingredient goes water, gluconolactone, that's your PHA, glycerin, diglycerin, sodium hydroxide, ah, your neutralizer. Um, the one that was missing, and pilfoliant. Mm -hmm. Yep. Lactic acid, uh, microcrystalline cellulose, cellulose, pentylene glycol, sodium hydroxide. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And Wait, where's then my you get salicylic acid oh, okay. after Caitlin. Cool. Clay. Cool. <laughs> So with the clay and the microcrystalline cellulose, it's definitely formulated like a rinse-off mask. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you that um, texture where it kind of forms a film on your face. Mm -hmm. And then you rinse it off after 10 to 15 minutes per the instruction. My problem with this product is at 13%, it didn't give you the breakdown of 13% of what, but you can see that gluconolactone pHA is in the second position. And the lactic acid comes after the neutralizer sodium hydroxide. You're probably going to guess that gluconolactone is doing a majority of the work with a little bit of lactic acid to buff. That's really it. And I don't know. I feel like salicylic acid is just there. Chilling. But yeah, the very low amount. So this is, we would consider incredibly gentle considering, and everyone should remember, gluconolactone is the biggest molecule mm -hmm. of these exfoliants. It is incredibly gentle. And in the studies, they've looked at it and that it really only exfoliates just the very, very surface, surface level. level of these gotta go uh, of of this top layer of your strong corneum so yeah general and i think as a nice comparison to pilfoliant their instructions say start by using once a week mm -hmm. then increase to twice a week if needed and that is like i don't know it's already gentle you only want me to use it once a week and pilfoliant is telling you to use it every, every day, day. Yeah. Every day. Woo, peel, peel it off <laughs> <laughs> kind of wild. Yeah. So these are mm. two very dramatic 
spoils to each other. Yeah. Um, a classic gluconolactone clinical looks at it as a leave-on product at 14%. Yeah. So this product with 13% total active load as a rinse-off couple times a week is about as gentle as it goes. And this total active load, to be honest, we would think of as a leave-on type of, like a serum level uh, of actives. So to us, this is mm. like, is it does it count as a peel? Will you really see that efficacy you want uh, if you only use it once a week True. or even twice a week? True. I think for the most, I don't know. It's hard because I, I was going to say for most sensitive, but mm -hmm. I think with like the clays and whatnot, it can mm -hmm. sometimes be, be a little drying. Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize she was there. <laughs> yeah. So I think for the most gentle of skin types, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, this price point is not that bad. So yeah. it's not, it's sure worth a trial, but in my mind, those who are looking for a home peel are looking to level up. Yeah. True. And I think because of that, this like really gentle form, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's like a true place for this That's unless true. you just like struggled so much, but I really want to have a peel. Mm -hmm is how I would see this. But I generally feel like the home peel category is also kind of messy. Yeah. Uh, as you guys can see from this episode, I thought this <laughs> yeah. would be a really quick one. But the more we read into the more, it's like, wait, hold on. Actually, I have a question. <laughs> yeah. And I was also thinking like, okay, if I were someone to go about finding a home peel to add to my routine. First of all, I think having a home peel is really great. If yeah. you're talking about people who enjoy masking, who want some me time, but also wanted to do something, this is probably the first type of product we would recommend. Mm -hmm. But then I think at the end of the day, I think you're still probably going to purchase based on level of AHA yeah. and the type of molecule that you like. Mm -hmm. And you're most likely, anybody who's probably looking for a home peel has probably already dabbled in this and kind of has a sense of, well, I've done a glycolic peel before, a lactic or whatever. I know what I like and then go from there. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's generally how I would approach it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think, I guess that to sum up, there are levels to this stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a peel, we kind of recommend going there after you've had some experience with AJs. Mm -hmm. And um, of everything we mentioned, I would say if you have used a, say, 10% glycolic acid serum daily before and mm -hmm. you're like, I think it's okay. Or even like a 5 to 10% toner, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, like, I think I get it, but I'm looking for more. Then we would say go straight into either if your skin is tolerant, you should reach for that 30% glycolic acid. Mm. Use it once a week and you will definitely see that efficacy. Yeah. Or reach for a high level of, say, a lactic or PHA. But I would say a low level PHA product like the Sephora one is don't expect it to bring more efficacy than your serums and toners. Totally. And also, I think... Sometimes you might think like, oh, I've been using glycolic nightly. Um, maybe I should use a gluconolactone PHA home peel on top. I feel like that is, it depends. And you're not, I found it's not always successful yeah. just because gluconolactone is truly very gentle. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that's like in case anybody's out there is considering that as well. Last um, but not least, yeah. signs of overexploitation. Yes, good point. Uh, some stinging when using a high level um, product like this is normal. Mm -hmm. After you rinse off, skin should just go back to normal that night. That stinging shouldn't sustain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you notice your skin sensitivity level changing, yes, you are one step away from overexfoliating. Yes, what I mean is. 
your serum that's been with you through thick and thin, some, <laughs> all of a sudden starts feeling like it's burning a little. Mm. That is a telltale sign that you've been using Pulefolian too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, general redness. Yeah. If you see any texture change, those also can be signs of, yeah, you probably overdid it this time and probably should take a break. So, yeah. <gasps> We hope this was helpful. I thought this would be a super quick one, two, three punch. I hand the three title peels and your recommendations. The end. Uh, I guess look forward to a peel blog post to supplement as a organized guide to everything we just discussed. Kill me. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up with some Q&A. First question that we received. I've seen a lot on Instagram about sunscreens and that you shouldn't apply it on damp skin. Mm -hmm. Your cream, and she writes, i.e. your cream must be completely absorbed. Is this true? Do sun filters not work as well if they are mixed with your moisturizer? Oh, well, that's actually kind of a loaded question. Because mm -hmm. at first, when she said damp skin. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, like you walk out of your shower and you put sunscreen on. And I would say, yeah, don't do that. It should definitely be uh -huh. on. I was going to say, that's also super diligent. You like get out yeah. of the shower and you're like, Shh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like come out of the pool. You should definitely like still dab off the excess Water. liquid before mm -hmm. you apply sunscreen. That's for sure true. And then it goes into a um, layering question. Mm -hmm. um, I would say generally speaking, that's like true with an asterisk. I think it depends on what you define as like fully dry. Because most creams or most moisturizers you use, it shouldn't leave you like sliding around um, afterwards. But I know there are textures out there that has a lot of slip even after you rub it in. True. And I will say that's probably a solid sign and that there's some truth in that like if you feel that slidingness on your skin and you apply your sunscreen there is a solid chance that that's going to disrupt the sunscreen screen from setting up but if the moisturizer is like leaving skin dewy <laughs> I, yeah again I'm like, i don't know how dry we're talking about here. yeah no totally <laughs> i think it's it's tough and it, you really want to gauge like kind of how is your application technique when you're applying sunscreen on top of your layer um, we do always recommend, yeah, give skin a, a few minutes just to, you know, set and absorb before you apply because all sunscreens in testing are applied on a clean face, mm -hmm. clean, dry face. And you want to give the filters the best chance of adhesion to create that nice film for protection. But do you have to be so diligent that you're sitting there and timing yourself and being like, all right, 10 minutes is up. I can apply my sunscreen. Not necessarily yeah. either. Um, so there's like a nice middle ground that you should find. And then I think the one thing I did want to say is do not mix with your moisturizer. Yeah, don't mix. Yeah. Please You'd don't rather, mix. We'd rather you layer mm -hmm. than mix the formula with your moisturizer and then apply. That will ruin the formula. Personally speaking, my routine goes wake up, wash my face, do my, like, do my morning routine, go make coffee. And it's like before you go outside, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So then naturally, there is like plenty of time period. for my totally. morning routine to absorb. So I think that's yeah. a pretty, yeah, pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah. Hopefully that was helpful. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the theme, general theme, is hopefully this was helpful. Can you guys please tell us if we're being helpful because we're starting to not know. <laughs> uh, are we? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Final question, and this is actually about our products. So. Person writes, hi, I recently found Chemist Confessions on IG and I'm super excited to try your products. My question is about Mr. Reliable. I see the formulation has niacinamide and I'm wondering if this is okay to use with vitamin C. Yes. If so, are there special instructions on using these together? I've heard these two ingredients weaken each other's overall effectiveness 
and or may cause a reaction. Thanks in advance. And I have to say this is another topic that we've come full circle. (laughs) So layering too many products is back and the great vitamin C niacinamide debate is back again. Yes. So for those of you out of the loop, if you mix, if you have a um, solution of niacinamide, it's a clear liquid. If you have a solution of vitamin C, L-ascorbic acid, fresh it's also clear (laughs) but if you mix the two it instantly turns into this yellow solution Mm -hmm. and a lot of it i think some of the drama started because obviously as vitamin c goes bad it turns yellow then amber then deeper Mm -hmm. so there's that assumption that oh something is degrading here there is an interaction going on because niacinamide forms this complex with vitamins uh with ascorbic acid Mm -hmm. It has been proven that that complex still works. And as a quick reminder, the way chemistry works is that there's different tiers, right? It's not a complete reaction. Nothing will be, even if you're interacting nice in my wet with like my one C, to one, you get one. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be a ratio thing. You're still going to get your free form vitamin C. You're still mm-hmm. going to get your nice in my, you're going to get some complexes. Mm-hmm. They all do well for your skin. <clears throat> so it's fine to layer vitamin C and then it's reliable. Secondly, is the reaction thing. There's also a school of thought that the low pH of vitamin C products will cause niacinamide to degrade into niacin, and that can, that can cause a red flush in some people. It is highly unlikely that your face will turn into a niacin factory by learning these two products. Yeah, and it's actually been tested. They looked at what it takes for that conversion to happen. Usually that means these these two need to be formulated together in solution and basically baked for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So are we worried about this interaction together? No, not really. And so, you know, definitely feel free to use your niacinamide products with your vitamin C serum. Layering is totally fine. This has actually been heavily looked at because of all the questions. So yeah, yeah. Um, last but not least, if you're very worried about reaction, like you have sensitive skin, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with vitamin C and niacinamide with any new product. Just do patch tests first, especially when you're introducing actives. That's why, like, to me, like, if you want to have a three-step routine versus a 20-step routine, doesn't matter. It's your preference. But try not to jump from a three-step routine right into a 20-step routine. <laughs> just add products one test, at a time. Patch test 17 new products at the same yeah, time. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're just going to get really lost. Yeah. So, yep. Awesome. All right, so that's it for the Home Peel Decode. Was it helpful? <laughs> let us know. Was this helpful? Um, Gloria, where can they find us to let us know if this was helpful or not? <laughs> you can write to us uh, at info at chemistconfessions.com, DM us on Instagram at chemist.confessions. Our website is chemistconfessions.com. And that is it. And look forward to the next episode. All right. Otherwise, thanks, guys. We will see you next time.